All right. Well, uh, maybe uh, we'll just get if someone wants to just open up in prayer. Does someone want to just open up in prayer and give us time to God? Anybody? Okay, um, I was uh, just thinking, first, let's have a question for everyone. Oh, before I get into it, just like, again, just for everyone, if you have a question or you don't understand something, just interrupt me. Uh, don't get, I won't get mad at you or anything, that's fine, that's what you're just here all to learn. I'm not perfect and I don't have every answer, but... We can all just try to figure it out together through the word and, and what God is saying. So just feel free to say and input whatever you want, okay? I uh, just had a question. <clears throat> That's kind of what I'm talking about today. Um, and there's a lot of right answers to it. What does God say in his word that we should do first? Like what's the first thing or the best thing that we should do? Or think about or be like whatever. Love, it's a good one. Very good. Anything else? Seek him first. Seek him first. Love God with all our heart. Yeah. There's still one specific one I'm looking for. Ooh, well, I'm Those are all right. Believe. Believe? Yeah. If I say this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? But what about love, right? Love is number one. Without love, you're nothing. Why does he say that? That's, that's what we're going to talk about today and see. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version. This is Matthew six thirty three. It says, but seek and aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. 633. So this is in Matthew 6, and he's talking about, like, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or your clothes and all that stuff. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I like the Amplified. Does someone else want to read a different version? Whatever they have? I have the MLT here. Yeah. 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live 
righteous faith, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God, live righteously, he'll give you everything you need. Does anyone have another version? Well, there's one that says, and all the others will be on and off to you. Okay, yep. Yeah. So if God says, like, love is the ultimate thing, right? Without love, you have nothing. First Corinthians said, if you don't have love, in the Amplified again, it says, if you don't have love, if you have all the powers to move all the mountains and have all the faith to do everything and you don't have love, you're a useless nobody, no good for nothing. That's a pretty, that's pretty big deal, right? So you should probably have love first. But here he's saying, seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness. Seek first that. I propose that they're the same thing. It's love. Here, I love it in the Amplified because it says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then in the brackets it says, his way of doing and being right. That's what it is. His kingdom and righteousness is his way of, his way, God's way of doing things and being right. So how do we be right? How do we be right with God? Believing and having faith in Jesus Christ. Believing. Right? Do we have to do? Do I have to do something? Do I got to do all these things and obey all these commandments and, and all this stuff to be right with God? Or what does Jesus say? Believe. He says believe. Right? If we're constantly trying to do something that Jesus already finished, we'll always be in this place that we'll be going in circles. Right? But if we believed what he, believe what he's already done, then our life starts to work out what he, what he said. Right? So, yeah. So if you don't start what Jesus finished, you'll never run well. You'll be trying to live something He's already accomplished and you'll run in circles. Some people try to earn favor from God or at least try to be good enough, right? I need to be good enough. I'm not as bad as the next guy. I'm good enough. Instead of realizing we've already been given favor and he came and died for us because we were good enough, because we were more, good, more than good enough and we didn't need to impress him. Just like my little Lexi. She doesn't need to impress me, ever. I'm already impressed. Right? She does, she poops her pants. I still love her. Right? If she screams and keeps up all night, I, my love does not change. I still want to be with her and love her like crazy. And pour in my whole life into her and give her my whole life, everything. And that's how God is with us all the time. We're his kids. And some people try not to sin or try to be a better person. They try to leave this and that out of their life, whatever it is. Uh, stop drinking, stop swearing, stop whatever. I think it's like dieting. It lasts for a time, but then everything goes back the way it was, and you end up disappointed instead of being transformed. Right? So there has to be a real change of your life that continues forever. So like if you want to lose weight or gain muscle or whatever, you have to continue doing that forever. Whatever that is. If you stop your diet, then you just go back to where you were. 
But if you change the way, the way that you eat, then that will change how your body looks. And if you change the way you work out, that'll change the way your body looks, right? Does that make sense? So we're not trying to sin, not to sin. We're not trying to be a better person. Right. Jesus said he died on the cross, right? Last week we talked about love. You know, what is love? Look at Jesus on the cross. He came and died for us because, why? Because we're horrible people and horrible sinners and just thank God that he did that for us and now we're not going to hell? No, he died because we had value, right? Like crazy ultimate value that God had to die. That's how much he valued us. He didn't die for someone who's horrible and worthless. Well, what's the point? You don't pay a big price for a, for a dodgy car. You pay a really big price for a really big, really expensive, really amazing car. Right? And Jesus showed his love for us on the cross. He paid the ultimate price, his life for our life. To bring us back to the Father. That was his purpose. Not for us to believe and go to heaven one day. That's not what the Bible is about. Jesus never talked about that. He talked about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And that's not a place, the kingdom of God. You know that? You know that? <laughs> so when we die, when this body dies, we go to be with Jesus. That will be a place, yes. But the kingdom of God is inside of us. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the kingdom of God is inside of us. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. If someone tells you it's over here, don't listen to them. Say the kingdom of God is inside of you. And what did I read that, that first scripture? Was... Uh, But seek and aim and strive after first all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. His way is to believe. And when you believe, then you can actually do it. It's like we can't get saved, can't get born again by doing everything right first, then I'm going to come to Jesus. And then, oh, I finally made it because I did enough good things. Everyone was a crazy, horrible sinner, even if they did nothing bad because we're born into it. It's kind of hard to, to fully grasp or accept that concept because you're always like, okay, what should I do? What do I need to mm-hmm. do? And just kind of realize. I just think about Romans 12, 1, where he says, Offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is a holy sacrifice, like a fleshly mm. body is a holy sacrifice. So that tells me that God ultimately just wants a relationship with us. He created us to have a relationship. And all the mighty love of the Father, all he wants is a relationship with his children. Yeah. That's all he wants. He wants us. <laughs> That's pretty amazing to me. That just reminded me of the scripture. John six twenty. 27 to 28. <clears throat> I'm going to read that. Oh. Twenty-seven, 
says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking <clears throat> the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Right? They're asking, what do we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is like, this is the work that you have to do. If you want to do something, believe. That's pretty simple. That is so simple. Sorry, like, where, where was that? That's uh, John 6, uh, 27, 28, 29. That, like, once I found this scripture, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, duh, God's not some taskmaster and say, you got to do these Ten Commandments. If you don't do them, then you're not in. He says, you're in. Now you can do these Ten Commandments. It flips it upside down. It's no, it's not this pressure on us. So many Christians live in this like constant pressure, pressure to, to do something or be better for God or, or whatever, you know? Like a big thing is evangelism. When I say that word or tell someone, go talk to someone about Jesus, it's like crippling fear. It's people like, okay, there's something wrong in that. Because Jesus said, take on my yoke. My burden is easy and light. It's super easy. It's super light. Love is evangelistic, okay? So love says, go encourage someone. Encourage someone at your work. Here's an even better thing. If you do something wrong at work, you get an argument with someone, go, go say you're sorry. Man, that'll show, that'll show something like, what? I was in the wrong too, but he said sorry, and he didn't say, well, are you gonna say sorry back? Like, there's some really, like it gives you the, the power to fulfill all those things. And like, we're no longer under the law, but that law is in our heart. It's written in our heart, and it comes out perfectly when we walk in love. It's totally fulfilled in love. So if I wake up believing that I'm a son, I'm a son of God, my life starts to look like a son. It starts to look like sonship, right? I'm, if I actually believe it, I'm actually a son of God. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what God said. If you believe Jesus, if you believe him, then that gives you the right to become a son of God or a daughter of God. If I believe God looks at me as if I've never sinned, it starts working out in my life. If I believe it. If I don't believe it, if I believe that I still got this one thing, I still got this little bit of sin, then that little bit of sin will keep coming out. But it's not because I say it. It's because the Word says it, okay? The Word says in Romans 6 alone, at least 10 times says you're free from sin. Just in that one chapter, in so many more places, you're free from sin. All right? <laughs> uh, if you want to turn to Romans 5, 17. I'm going 
going to read this in the Amplified as well. and Maybe someone else can read it in a different one. Romans 5.17 says, For if people of one man's trespass or lapse or offense, death reigned through that one man, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So I want to read that in NLT or other version. Whatever version doesn't matter. Yeah. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Man, that's that's a pretty packed verse, eh? So Adam, through Adam, sin reigned through everybody. So ev- everyone had sin, even if you haven't done anything bad. Because you're born into it. You're a sinner, that's who you are to the core. And then when you believe in Jesus, that person is dead, he dies, and you are born again. You're a new person. And to the core, you are righteous. The free gift of righteousness. So it's not, it's not that you're all of a sudden right. It's that you're totally wrong, but Jesus, God says you're right. Even though you're totally wrong, God's like, I, I see you just like I see Jesus. He never did anything wrong, and I see you just like him. Not because you're perfect, because Jesus is perfect. And then, in the verse 18, it says, or did you want to go and read? <laughs> hey, go for it. It says that, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God in a new life for everyone. So who's that for? For everyone. For everyone. Isn't that amazing? It's not just for, not just for the Jews. Not just for people who try to do good. It's not just for white people. It's not just for black people. It's not just for anyone. Else. It's for everybody. Kind of interesting that it says through Adam, because so many people that don't know scripture that well, especially men, they all blame me. Yeah. God says Adam is the one that's supposed to be in charge. It kind of interesting. I heard that many times too. Man, if Eve would just not took that out, right? And then you read the verse which says, "Adam is kind of like a side dish, and she took the apple." Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how people use that, but someone once said that today we still have that same choice. Yes. Still that, still that same devil coming yeah. at you. Yeah. Did God really say? Did God really say that? Oh man, like. Yeah. In 17, the way mine says that the free gift of salvation for those who accept it, like receive it. It's mm. your choice, all you have to do is receive it. Yeah. It just sounds so simple. Yeah. <laughs> and it is simple too. Jesus made it simple. Yeah. He, he doesn't want just like. <laughs> it says if, 
It says in the Bible, if you want to be wise, become a fool. Yeah. Like, well, how does that make sense, right? I think the wise people of this world, it says, it says even God's foolishness is wiser than the wise, than the wisestness, whatever, <laughs> I don't know what the word to say, of the world, you know? Like, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I say wisestness, okay? <laughs> Words that don't exist. <laughs> but it's... Like, God's word, that's what we're going through, like... Another reason why it's so simple is, it says, pretty simply, yet through that God is not the author of confusion, so... Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think, too, when I was talking about evangelism, like, I'm confused, why are people terrified to tell people the good news about Jesus? I think, for myself, I have not been, too, and I, I think I'm missing the big point is, if they don't, if they reject that, I think they're rejecting me, but they're actually just rejecting the gospel. Yeah. So you take that personal when they're actually just rejecting the gospel. Yeah. If you would talk to them about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. I had a, I was working at this little factory in, in Australia, and I was just, but just doing my job and working and talking to the guys there, and this one, there's this one new guy. And we started talking, it's probably like one or two weeks. We, we were on the same shift. And, and then, yeah, the second week or however long it was, it came up something about religion or whatever. And then I just asked him, what do you believe? And then he asked me back, and I told him I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and this is why, and that. And he's like, oh, I look at you really different now. Like, he said that. And I'm like, nothing has changed but you. You change now, not me. I'm still the same guy the last two weeks. Because the Bible says it's foolishness to people who don't believe. They can't understand. Your friends are... Like, when I first got saved, my friends were like, why? Why are you doing this? They're like, why don't you come and party and drink with us and go to clubs and stuff anymore? And I'm like, they're confused. Like, why would you do that? Because they don't understand. They haven't been transformed. All the world can see is a religion, right? Mm-hmm. Boring life. Yeah, they see boring. God is boring. <laughs> what the heck? God created everything and everyone. And it's and like... It's, it says foolishness to the world. Like, people can't understand. They can't understand. Their eyes are blinded. There's a veil over their eyes. You can't see the goodness of God because they don't believe. It's when you believe, everything changes. Um, yeah. so, so, why do you seek the kingdom? Of God and His righteousness. In uh, Matthew 22, uh, 36 to 40, I'm gonna go there. This is, uh, yeah, Matthew, what did I say? Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. In the NLT, it says, uh, Teacher, which is the most important? Important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So he asked, what's the greatest? What's the number one commandment? Jesus gave him two. Yeah, so that's the greatest commandment is to love. But what we just read is seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. Right? We get it? Like his way of being and doing right is love. And his righteousness is a free gift. If we believe. You can't receive it if you don't believe it. Like it's, it's really that simple. Like, it's crazy simple. Like, first of all, you have to know what the word says to believe it, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know for yourself. It's not, if I'm just saying it and you're not looking at your word, or if you don't believe the word of God is 100% true, then there's all these things that are blocking you, right? You can't believe. Well, it's just what he said. Uh, this book could be changed, whatever. Men made this book. All these excuses that come out, right? And that's fine to have that. But you won't receive it. And then you'll be like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, see, I told you. I tried that. didn't work. Like, what? why not? Because you didn't believe. You were just trying it. Like some method that you can just... These are the recipes to make a cake. That's how, this is how you become righteous. Do this and that. And you forget yeah. Christianity is not boring. It's not a method. It's not something you just plug in these things and all of a sudden life's perfect. God's way of being and doing right, look at Jesus' life. Was his life perfect? Did he have like a nice house and the best horse to ride around on and, and all this stuff? Like he was mocked and ridiculed and beaten and murdered for being perfect. He was perfect in every way. No one could say anything bad about him. And he just healed people and raised the dead and showed people the Father through his life. He proclaimed like out loud, like this has to happen so it can fulfill scripture. Mm-hmm. And then it happened and they still don't believe. It happened multiple times in his ministry. So this is the First uh, Corinthians thirteen one to two. That's what I was saying before. <clears throat> if I could speak in all languages on earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. read that I'm just going to read that in the Amplified because I just love it if I can speak in tongues of men and even of angels but have have not love that reason, reasoning intentional spiritual devotion such as is inspired by God's love for and in us 
I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. This is God's way of being and doing right. Love. Love is not just like hugging people and giving them kisses. That's a good thing and we can do it, sure. But love is Jesus. Look at Jesus. He was love. He didn't do things because he was God. He did them because he was love. And we have that same privilege to walk like Jesus did. And he commanded us to do it. Very cool. So righteousness, we talk about righteousness, is the purpose in which Jesus came. That's the good news. It's not say this prayer and then you can go to heaven one day. I always found that so simple, so, uh, I don't know, weird. If that's the purpose, I say this prayer and then I go to heaven, why don't I just kill myself and then... Don't have to worry about this earth and everything bad happened to me. Like, I can be with God and live forever. It's awesome. There's way more than that. If we accept Jesus here, we, our eternity starts then, right then. When you accept Jesus, when you're born again, that's eternity. It starts right there. It's his way of being and doing right. It's in us. The kingdom is in us. So we can live in this kingdom here on this earth already. We don't have our bodies and I don't know everything else that's going to happen in heaven, but the way that we live, the way that we outwork our life, we can live exactly like that. And we grow in that and we work out our salvation. We don't, you might not be perfect. You might mess up sometimes. But the Bible doesn't say you will mess up sometimes. It says if you sin, It, it calls us to a higher place and it tells us it's possible because if Jesus did it and he told us, told us to walk like him, then it has to be possible. The only way that would be possible is to completely die to the flesh and live in the spirit. Totally. Totally. Well, that's what the word says, right? If you... If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. What the flesh wants, what the world wants. So if you walk in the spirit all the time, if you walk the way Jesus walked, if you're thinking, if that's on your mind, the way that, that God walked and the way that we should be doing our life, which is through love, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You won't do it. You're too preoccupied with others. And loving God. You're not thinking about yourself all the time. It's awesome. Once you start... Like that was the biggest hurdle in my life. Was me. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't someone else that did me wrong. It was me living for me. That's the worst thing that ever happened to me. Me living for me. And then when I got saved. And I started to learn. What the Bible said about who I was and who God is. It showed me me living for me. It's that's, that's what the world does. And that's why they got 
it's not just the problems. The problems come to everybody. Problems come to everybody. Right? Whatever. No one has a perfect life. Christianity is not about, like, you say this, you come to Jesus, and your life is going to be perfect. Your life will probably be the same, might even get worse. But you can change in that circumstance. You won't react the same. You won't hate people anymore because they do bad things. You will walk in love towards people when people hate you. You will pray for the people who, who hate you. And before, you would curse them. And you disown them. Get them out of your life. That person at work, he's the worst. Instead of like rejecting him and totally being apart from him and you leave that job like, oh, thank God I'm not there anymore. That guy is horrible. Now you leave that work, you're praying for that guy. And you're loving that person and wishing him the best and, and blessing him with whatever. That's the way God does to us. We didn't deserve his righteousness, his free gifts, none of that stuff. He, he loved us when we were yet, when we were still sinners. But he said, he pursued me when I was doing all this bad stuff, when I was hating people and being selfish and taking advantage of people all over the place all the time. I thought about ways to sin and wanted to sin and loved sin. And, and God's like, I want that guy. Like, that just makes you cry. Like, it's so awesome. Yeah. You know, the one thing is, when you, you were talking once you're born again that you're not going to be free from struggles, I think that's really important, especially for, for not just younger people, but especially younger people <laughs> here, because I think once I surrender, I will have an easy life. Yeah. I've had quite a few of them that have told me already lately that, man, I'm not sure if I'm truly saved because I thought I was really just going to live for God, and it seems like I'm giving attack so much more. And I, just told him that makes perfect sense because now Satan has a reason to attack you. <laughs> yeah. Before you didn't have no reason to. If you just totally do Satan's will uh, on your own, in a sense, because your fleshly desires, yeah. yeah, he has no reason to try to attack you. Right? Yeah. I mean, he still will, but yeah. once you do, the devil just hates everybody, regardless. Mm-hmm. Hates himself. But uh, yeah, that's so true. Um, can we turn to Romans 10, verse 1 to 4? Does someone want to read that out? Romans 10, 1 to 4? She's looking at you like you did something wrong. Hey, this is mine. You want to play with it? You can play with it. The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is mysterious, misdirected, misdirected seal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right. With, them, with himself, refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. 
As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Or totally. Yeah, that's good. Like that is so clear. And this is talking about the Jewish people, but this is everybody. Like there's so many people who who love Jesus and are still walking under the law trying to trying to get right with God, trying to be right with God, you know? And in the last there it says, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. In the previous scripture we say it's a free gift. So you can't earn it. No one can earn a gift, right? So, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God. So they have enthusiasm for God. They want to know about God. They devote themselves to God, but it's misdirected zeal. It's in the wrong direction. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself because they didn't know Jesus. God makes people right with himself, not us. It's so backwards in how it grew up, you know? Yeah. Uh, Refusing to accept God's way. So he was preaching Jesus. That's why he's saying it. Um, God's way of getting right. Sorry. Refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Trying to keep the commands. Trying to keep the Ten Commands and all those the other commandments. That's like, if I do this, if I do that, if I do that. And Jesus says, all the law and the prophets are all rolled up in loving God and loving people. If you do that, you'll fulfill the law. For Christ already accomplished the purpose of which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So like the purpose of his, his kingdom and his righteousness, right? Is the purpose is to be what? what why, why did God do that for us now? Why doesn't he just, when we get born again, just take us to heaven? What's, or just people speak out whatever, whatever you think. Like, why did he do that? So we can share with unbelievers. Yep. Anything else? Anyone have any other? Does the question make sense? So why did why did Jesus not just take us to be with Him right away from this earth? Like, what's our purpose? Okay. Yep. That's good. Just think about personally. What's your purpose? Do you know your purpose? Everyone, everything to worship God. That's good. Be His child. To love. Spread the gospel. I guess.
It's not a trick question. Our purpose is to love. And the reason we're here on this earth is because there's a lot of people who don't know him. And we're not just going to preach at people and they're going to get saved. We're going to love people and they will see. It says people will see that we're children of God by the way we love each other. They're not going to see by you just telling them what's wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Repent or you're going to hell. That might save someone, sure. But that's Very not, few. It's not the way that God intended. Yeah. So... Well, you're climbing up here together, babe. Uh, yeah, so the purpose of Jesus coming is because we were lost sons and daughters. Now we can be found and restored to right relationship with our dad. Right? Like I said before, he died on the cross not because we're horrible sinners. Because I was a son and I didn't know it. God made me to worship him and to love him and to love people. And I couldn't see past myself. My life's all about me. I got to get ahead. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to whatever. It's all about me. Take advantage of people so I can get something from them. Right? I have specific relationships with certain people because of their influence or because of what they can get for, what I can get from them. I can be friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, business people. I want to hang out with this person because he's influential and he'll put me in the right circles, whatever. It's all about me, what I get. And they look outwardly like, man, that guy's really friendly. He, he, look, he, likes, he likes everybody. He's, he's for other people. He spends his time with them. But inwardly, it's, I'm doing this because I need to get this. I need to get this. That's how it was. Yeah, it's not a good way to live because you're just, just using people behind their back, basically. In uh, Galatians 6, verse 15, it says, It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been trans- transformed into a new creation. So circumcis- circumcision was a sign that you are part of God's people in Israel, okay? That's how people, how people knew. And he was saying it doesn't matter but the outward visible sign if you're, God, if you're God's person. What counts is if you're transformed into a new creation. And everyone can see that. <clears throat> everyone can see it. If you were walking one way and all of a sudden you're walking another way, people are going to be confused. Who is this guy? That's, you're not the same guy anymore. It should be that radically obvious. If you were really shy, you could all of a sudden be not really shy or whatever. Like, there's, there's a million different ways you can see it. But I'm sure you know some people. You can see it in yourself. Hey, Poncho, what happened when you got saved? What changed? What's, what's like one thing that changed? I started loving myself more. Started loving yourself. How, how about his family? What, what happened to Poncho? What, what did people notice when Poncho got saved? More appreciation. 
Accepting love. Oh. Walk with his head held high. Not shy anymore. <laughs> so many things, right? It's amazing. Like one thing for me, when I got saved, I hated public speaking. I remember I had a business class in school, and I skipped every day that I had to had to share something. I skipped, or I fake sick, or whatever. I just didn't go. I didn't want to do it. Didn't matter how long the teacher gave me an extra day to do it. I just skipped that day too. Whatever it is, if I failed that part, I failed that part. I couldn't do it. And I right away got saved, and instantly I'm I'm just telling people like crazy, left and right, like. This is too good. This is too good. And then I went to Australia and did that discipleship course. And we went to Africa to do our outreach for three months. And I know I, I spoke 80% more than anyone else. Because everyone else was not, I don't know, not in that same place in me for speaking. Like I'm just like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Now I got tons of stories in that time because of that. And before, I was totally terrified. <laughs> like, it's amazing how God can transform us in a moment, right? I remember Poncho came here, he told everyone, I got saved last night. He's on fire, he's lit up, he's so happy, and next week he gets baptized, and man, that was a good day. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That's something we can ask ourselves all the time as well. Like just to remember where you're at. Am I different than who I was before Jesus? Or has the word come in and you accepted it and were excited for it and all of a sudden it fizzled out? Back to normal. Did you just accept the religion? And you got to go to church and try to be a better person and not get into your word. Like, that's a. In my life, I realized that is the biggest thing that was always lacking in me. I was not in the word of God. I didn't know what God said. Even though people said it all the time to me. And I went to. The discipleship school to learn. And for three months, six hours a day, we were teaching out of the Bible. And how often I would read it would be very seldom, you know? And then it was just because someone said it and I didn't have conviction of it that God actually said it, you know? It was just another guy. Sounds all good. And it helped me for a while while I was there. But when I'm not there, then... I don't know what to believe, right? And the word of God is spirit. Like it is the spirit, the word of God. It's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Father. They're living inside of us. He's the word of God. It's all in us. But if we don't know what it says, we can't believe what it says, we don't read it, we'll make up excuses why it's not true or I don't remember or whatever it is, right?
And it stays so much longer in your head or heart or wherever if you read it yourself. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's so much more yeah. real. Yeah. If you read it out loud, yeah. that's what I find. Yeah, it seems like it's more powerful. I'll compute directly to somebody if you read it yourself. The word you know, is... When I got first saved, I had a really big problem. Um, why the Bible? Why is the Bible that book? Why couldn't it be any other book? There are millions of books out there. That's why I had a big problem with it. I don't know why, but I did. Until finally, one day, I just got it. God showed you. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't matter whether uh, it doesn't matter that you religiously obey the commands of the law. What matters is that you're actually changed and that you live the commands and that it's who you are. We're not trying to obey all these commands. We realize this is who we are. We're right with God. We're born again. We're sons and daughters of God. We're free from sin. We're saints. We're not sinners. When we believe these things, then it plays out in our life. Yeah, Paul was a perfect example for that. He said, I had a zeal to do what God wanted, even yeah. when he persecuted all the Christians. Yeah. He had a zeal to do what God, he thought he was doing right. Yeah. So that was his religion. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, do we want to turn to? Uh, oh, hold on. Matthew twenty, verse one to twenty-eight. I'm gonna read. So Jesus says a lot of uh, parables in the Bible, right? So a parable is basically a story so that you can explain what he's actually talking about. Okay? Because, yeah, we'll just go through it. <laughs> so, it's uh, right. I'm going to read the NLT versions, Matthew 20, verse 1. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in their vineyard. Okay, just stop there for a second. This story is about the kingdom of heaven. Okay? All right. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal day's wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was... Passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard uh, at noon again, at noon, and again at three o'clock he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon he was in town again, saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, 
Then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last worker first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He, he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what is to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I read this this week, and I'm, I'm trying to get, okay, God, what does this mean? And I'm like searching, like the internet and all of it, like, what does this mean? And then I just kept reading, and there's the answer. That's what I find out happens. I'm trying to get out of that, right? And I know that was my life before I was free. I like had all these questions and didn't have the answers because I stopped reading. All right, so we're just going to keep reading a little further. Now, verse 17 says, As Jesus <clears throat> was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Then the mother of James and John. Oh, hold on. What? 28. That's verse 20. So then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with their sons. He knelt, uh, she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in place of honor next to you, one at your right and the other at your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit at my right or left hand. My father has prepared those places for those he has chosen. When ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, so that's parable of the vineyard. And then Jesus is talking. <clears throat> so Jesus is telling this, this parable to his disciples. And then it was at the end of that it says, so though, uh, verse 16, those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I'm like, what is he talking about? And then he continues saying, among you it will be different. If you want to be first, you're going to be last, you're going to be a server, you're going to be a slave. Right? How, 
How does that parable he's talking about, how does that show the kingdom of God? What, what did we get out of that? You get anything out of that? He's talking about money, right? He's talking about work. He's not talking about like just work. He's not saying if you have a if you own a business, you can do whatever you want with your money. He's talking about the kingdom of God. His way of being and doing right. He said so. It is, is a very good comparison too. Yeah, awesome sure is. because uh, uh, that's why I told I, the story. I hear it so many times. People say, "Oh, I should be getting paid more." Well, if I hire somebody, I can pay everybody the way I want, right? Yeah. Because it's my money. I can do it. I can give one guy twice as much as the other one if I want to, right? Whatever. Yeah. Sure. But for instance, you have to serve, uh, let's say, our workers. We have to treat them like we want them to treat us. Yeah. So we have to be servants. Yeah, if you want to be first... You gotta be last. I kind of see it as, um, like, you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, when you get saved, then everything's gonna be good, and then, like, you're gonna get blessed all the time. I kind of mm. see it as he's saying, like, it's not just about receiving the gift of God, it's about serving other people. Yeah. Like, just turn it down. <laughs> just turn it off. <laughs> Just hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's very good. Can, can you say that again? Sorry, We're a little distracting. <laughs> I guess just like serving others instead of expecting stuff all the time, like expecting to be blessed or whatever, like showing the kingdom or showing Jesus by being selfless. Yeah, that's good. That's a big. Uh, uh, I don't know, twist to the truth that's it's out there with the gospel. Like, you come to Jesus and you'll be blessed. You'll have fortune. You'll be like, look at Abraham. He was the richest person in the world. Look at Solomon. Look at all this stuff, right? When Jesus came, he said, look at Jesus. When James, John, and Peter are on the on the mountain with Jesus... He, it says he was tra- transfigured. He turned shining light, and all of a sudden, uh, it was a Moses and Elijah were beside him. And then, uh, and then Peter speaks up. He's like, "Oh Lord, this is really good that we're here." He's like, uh, "Let me build you, you and Moses and Elijah, a tabernacle." And then it says, in the middle of him speaking, God spoke from heaven and said, "Listen to my son," or what do you say? Yeah, I said, listen, listen to him. It's like, it's about Jesus. It's not about Moses and Elijah anymore who are about the law. I said, listen to Jesus. Follow him. Follow what he says. So it's, 
this, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you want to be first in heaven, then you got to be, take your position here on earth what you want. It's not about your blessing. If you get blessed, great. Then you can bless others more and whatever. It's not just money, it's time, it's possessions, it's food, whatever it is, right? Like we have that. When I hear this, I see it as God's giving us a privilege to walk the way that Jesus walked. Fully, 100%, give our life or walk less. You don't have to walk that whole way, but you can. He's like, Jesus is like, this is the way to the top. Be a servant. Be a slave. Right? It's opposite kingdom of this world. And even the yonder, it's interesting where they're working. They're workers to produce. Yeah. True. So I sometimes think about when you read uh, verse 6. So if you've been a Christian your whole life and you don't produce any fruit and it says it's five o'clock already, and then the king comes around and he says, why are you still just standing around? Mm. How do you not, like, how do you say anything that you already know what you're supposed to do? And it's five o'clock already. Why are you still standing around? Mm. It's almost like he's saying, you already know what to do. And the excuse is, well, nobody told us. Yeah. And, and I sometimes think about that even in my own life, like, not trying to work for salvation, but once you are saved, you should naturally want to produce more fruit yeah. and do God's will, and not just stand around and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it says we're, when we're saved, we're called to good works. Mm-hmm. That's what to do. When it's not trying to do good works, it's just naturally producing them. Yeah, like that's your call. Right. I don't know, when I read that a while ago, I just thought, man, why are you still just standing around? It's like, you already know you have something to do. If nothing else, or the, the main thing is show love, it'll produce fruit. Yeah. Mm. But if you're standing there doing nothing, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about actual fruit, I'm talking about spiritual fruit. I know, but I quit. Well, just show love to other people, and then if it's people that learn, that don't know about Christ, then maybe they would see that, man, that is something that I want. I wonder what he has, and all of a sudden they would turn to Christ, and boom, we got very big grape in the line there. So what if they just get offended? If they get offended, then they'll just walk away and think, hmm, well, maybe God will work in their hearts anyway, maybe we plant a little seed, and then it'll grow. Can I answer a little bit to that? If they get offended, Jesus offended and many people do. Okay. I just heard that this weekend. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he offended many people. that example of evangelism it feels heavy when I say it and people don't understand but as well like the Bible talks about us being trees right 
If you're a good tree, you'll produce good fruit. If you're a bad tree, you produce bad fruit. When we hear that, everyone looks at the fruit. Mm-hmm. You're a good tree. If you believe you're a good tree, you'll produce good fruit. Mm-hmm. So it's not about trying to get fruit, it's about believing. You are a good tree, mm-hmm. and then you will produce good fruit. Don't look at your bad fruit and say, man, I must be a bad tree. Believe what God says. You're a good tree. And then the good fruit comes, right? And it just takes off that weight. Right? It's like I'm not, I'm not living to, to give God bushels of fruit or whatever. I'm living to do that because I know I am, and it will just happen. Trees don't strive to bear fruit. They're a tree. They have to. It's impossible for them not to. Right? And then people prune them and they get even more fruit. And God will do that with us. He will show us the things that we can change and grow in our life. And it doesn't feel good at the time. It's like discipline. It doesn't feel good, but it produces good fruit in your life. If you spank your kids when they do something wrong, they realize, okay, I shouldn't do that thing wrong anymore. And then it produces good works in their life same thing it's pretty cool <laughs> like Dr. Jeremiah says um, an apple tree won't sit there and just like oh I have to squeeze out a peach <laughs> I have to yeah. squeeze out whatever it just natural becomes an apple tree yeah. and it bears apples so it does what it does like a bad tree will Produce bad fruit naturally, and so will a good tree. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard this week. One guy saying to that Jesus offended so many like a roller coaster. people, and he says, "How bad it is really when you think about it, even today. How many people? Or you can't say this to him, you offend people." And he was making many examples like. For the lesbian people and all that. So many people, oh, they can't say this or that anymore. They offend them. So Jesus offended many people. The truth is more important than offending people. Yep. If Uh, can we turn to Matthew 25, just a little further down? I'm gonna just, uh, does someone want to read this next parable? So one, verse 1 to 13. Does anyone want to read that? Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamp, but the other five were wise. Why did they have to take um, extra oil? When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. 
All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know that day or hour of my return. Okay, what do we think of that? First sentence again. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like so on. So I was talking about the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven like? What's he saying in this story? It better be ready at all times. For what? Does that mean that if I sinned and I didn't say sorry, then I'm going to hell? So what does it mean to be ready? Um, don't just it's, it's good. Believe. Just ask questions. Believe, right? Believe, yeah. it's a good answer, yeah. And what's he saying in here? There's, bride, there's some guys who are, there's some brides, bridesmaids who were prepared, right? They had enough extra oil. And there are some that they didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about, like, oh... Like God, he's, he's, he's probably going to return at this time. This is enough, right? Let's say this. Verse 12 says, but he called back, but he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you two must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return says he didn't he didn't know them yeah he said believe me I don't know who you are just knowing God I, I think like salvation is knowing God the Bible said salvation is knowing God okay it's not just saying a prayer. It's not just going to a building on a certain day of the week. It's not trying to be a good person. It's knowing God. Like back in the day, that would have been blasphemy. You can't know God. God's unknowable. He's infinite, whatever. I'm just a little worm in the, in the dirt, you know? But that's not what the Bible says. It says salvation is knowing God. And Jesus says it a few times. Like, get away from me. I don't know you. Right here, believe me, I don't know you. It's about knowing him. So to be prepared is to know him. Right? For you don't know when he's going to come. So don't just like live your sinful life and then wait. Oh, if I knew the day he's going to return, then well, I'm going to repent and get everything right. I'm going to do what he says. And then I'll be good. Then I'll be in. Then I can have my fun and have my cake and eat it too. Right? So he's not telling any anyone when he's coming on purpose because he doesn't want us to live for us. And like, he doesn't want us to find a way to get away with sin. You know? That's not what salvation is. Righteousness is not a way 
to sin and get away with it. It's a way to be free. You can be totally free from that old person who you were. I'm a totally free man because I know that I am free because the Bible says, and I believe it. Because I believe it, it's working out of my life, and it's awesome. For many, many, many years, I was saved and loved Jesus and didn't know that. I read a little bit and stopped reading, couldn't understand it, and just left it alone, and that became a belief in my heart. And I kept reading it. It showed me I am good. I am a new person because of what Jesus did. And then, boom, my eyes are open. I can understand. My questions turn into answers. I'm not seeking blessing. I notice I'm blessed. It's like it's, this scenario used to happen. Right? When, when I was... Oh, it's even like three or four years ago. I haven't saved for 18 years ago now. But just over two years ago, I got this amazing revelation that I'm free. And I'm free from sin. So I started reading my Bible. Like, for real. That, uh, that you would do something, I'd be at work or school or wherever I was, and I'm telling someone that, then in conversation or whatever, I would tell someone or show them that what they're doing is wrong, right? And then they would, and then I, I'm trying to be good, but then one day I would say something or mess up a little bit, and I'd like, ah, see, you, even you do it. And that doesn't happen anymore because I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be good anymore. I'm just who I am all the time. I'm not trying. And before, I was trying because I, I was trying, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't in my word, so I didn't know what God said. I'm trying to live off this revelation that I learned 10 years ago and not continuing in the word, not continuing in God, not loving people. It's still just trying to be good. I was in the law trying to be good, trying to do the good things, trying to be a good Christian, not realizing I am a good Christian because God says so. There's no such thing as a bad Christian or a good Christian. There's Christians, and then there's people who aren't. There's people who don't believe. There's people who do believe. It's, yeah. And there is many, many, many uh, more parables in, in the Gospels. There's lots in Matthew um, this one, Dad, I know you love. Even if you don't know where it is, I bet you you say it about maybe once a day. It's uh, Mark 26. Mark 26, verse 29. Let's see what it says. Oh, that doesn't make sense. There is no Mark 26. <laughs> Mark 16. Oh, man, now I, got, I mixed it up. Matthew 26? <laughs> yeah, I know. Matthew 26, 29, maybe? Nope. Hmm. Oh, let me just find this. Um, it's called the parable of a growing seed. Mark four twenty six. It is. Mark four twenty six. 
Mark 4, 26. Um, yeah, the short. Mark 4, 26 to 29 says, Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, well, night and day, well, he sleep, he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces its crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Right? The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed. And then, all of a sudden, he's got a crop. Right? Mm -hmm. He just waters and... Looks after it, and he doesn't know how this little seed turns into the big bush or whatever he's growing. But the Word of God is that seed. We're pouring out the Word of God. I'm, I'm spreading the Word of God in this room right here. All right? And you guys are spreading it wherever you are. And then it just, somehow, God works it out, and it grows in people. And then... People coming to know God, and <laughs> it just, it's like, it's crazy. We don't understand how it works, but we just do our part, and we know God does his. Right? He, he certainly does his, because yeah. I, I heard that so many times, too, like from the seed. Like, some, somebody who totally not believes nothing to God, then you make something grow. Let's see how you do it. Find your own dirt and everything. I heard this one person argue once and he said, oh, he knew better than God. And it was just a talk, but then God said, well, well they we're going to make something and they needed dirt for it. And God said to that person, well, you get your own dirt. This is all my dirt here. So well, where do you want to get your dirt, right? Uh, the sand, sandcastle story. Yeah. God, God can build a better sandcastle than you got. Okay. And God just puts a little bucket and... Fills with dirt, puts it down, puts the little flag on it. Let's see you beat that. And he starts making, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. get your own sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty, plenty more parables. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God a lot in his ministry. He's not talking about, like, going to heaven. It's like, this is how heaven will be. But this is, the kingdom of God is inside of you. This is how you can be now. This is how we can be now. But if you don't know it, if you don't seek it first, like, when I, when I was preparing this and I was going through this, to seek first the kingdom of God, I felt God saying, like, put first things first, right? And I just remember when... I finally became serious and asked, told God uh, I wanted a wife. And I had this like, uh, I remember it was close to New Year's and, and I was just making this list of things that I wanted to do the next year, right? And like, oh, find a wife is on top of the list. And <clears throat> I'm writing all this stuff and I, I think I was at the beach somewhere just, just being alone with God and 
I felt God say really clearly to me, he's like, why aren't you putting priority on your first things? Your first things aren't first. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I've had this on my list for the last whatever, five, ten years, whatever it was. And then like, okay, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And then for those of you who don't know, I met Steph online. And uh, I had this profile that I made, all make myself look good, you know? And didn't work for a long time. I like, thought, oh, this is garbage, doesn't work. And then I decided, <clears throat> okay, I'm just, I'm just going to be like brutally honest. All I did is put one picture on there and I wrote, I remember exactly what I wrote there. I wrote, I love Jesus. If you don't, don't waste your time and don't waste mine. The next day, Steph answered. The next day after that, we met up at the beach. We shared our testimonies for about two hours, just talking about God. And then the rest was history. And I feel like, yeah, that whole thing was putting first things first. Like, if you actually say it, then actually do it. And Just that simple, you put it on. That's it, just, that's it. Like, I don't want anything else. I don't care about your hair color or your eye color or if you like a certain TV show, like... What I care about is that you love God and you love me eventually, you know? That's it. And obviously, whatever. I gotta find you attractive. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's all I got for today. But there's also, if you want to read, there's lots more Matthew 21, Matthew 22, Mark 26, Mark 4. Those are all a lot of parables of the kingdom of God. I'm just going to read that. Sorry. Yeah? <laughs> That's so cool. I'm just going to read that first scripture I read. It said, But seek and aim and strive after first all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. All the food and clothes and shelter and the things that you need to live. If you seek after God's way of doing things and knowing that you're right with Him, even though you're totally wrong, if you believe what He says, then all those things are not, it's not going to be striving. It's not that you're going to become rich and you're just all going to win a lottery or whatever. It's that when you go through your life, good or bad or whatever it is, you will be different. You will be the change. In those circumstances, when you lose your job, you're not going to freak out. You're going to be, thank you, God. You got a different place for me. You'll be thankful. You're going to be loving. Things will just change because you believe. But when we keep trying, then, yeah, it doesn't really work out the way that we want.